0: Chapter 15, Facing New Challenges As the years roll by, I observe how history continues to change around us. Some of those changes are imperceptible at first, but they have sped up with the advent of social media platforms such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Many people hoped... these platforms would carry the promise of never again, that developed when we still believed that the vision of peace and harmony laid out by the United Nations could be realized. I am often chagrined by what I see. The Holocaust and its impact, no matter how widely taught, doesn't seem to be a deterrent and it was followed by genocides that morphed never again into again and yet again. The Rwandan genocide in 1994 with an estimated 500,000 to 1 million victims. The first and ongoing genocide of the 21st century, the Darfur genocide, with hundreds and thousands of victims and millions of displaced people mass murders, lethal civil wars, and ethnic and religious strife that are going on in many parts of the world as I write these lines. Abject poverty on a grand scale dominates in large parts of the world, creating massive movements of fleeing populations who are seeking food and security in other lands. Would-be host countries react with anger and internal turmoil. The left and the right pitted against each other. All of this is happening on the watch of the United Nations, whose mission, when it came into being after World War II, was, and I quote, to maintain international peace and security. So far a failed mission. Tragically, we turned out to be wrong about social media. The hope for blessing, its potential role in spreading democracy and social equity, transformed into more of a curse. Holocaust denial started spreading widely in print form as early as 1969 by the far-right political activist Willis Carto, who advocated for, and I quote, racially pure United States. But now, the Internet and social media have allowed multiple supremacist ideologies, sometimes converging, to emerge, and revisionist websites supposedly by historians Have cropped up, aiming to mislead unsuspecting, gullible, and historically ignorant young students and a good number of voting adults. Few people, young or old, realize that Holocaust denial is one of the vilest forms of anti Semitism and Jew hatred, killing the victims twice. Countless Holocaust survivors. Living eyewitnesses have risen to the occasion and are still fighting back as public speakers. In person and through social media platforms, we try to educate students, teachers, politicians, anyone who will listen, about the historical truth through our personal stories. We are trying to explain how dangerous hate speech is if left unchallenged, how it leads to hateful and often lethal actions. We preach acceptance of diversity, inclusion, and human civil rights for all in our still democratic, peaceful societies. We teach Holocaust history as a stern warning and as our best teacher, to convince today's generation not to repeat the enormous mistakes of that unprecedented murderous period. Many young people have never heard of the Holocaust. It is vital to educate new generations about history in general, and genocides in particular, so that they are knowledgeable as they face a daily influx of information. But our voices are not enough. The political leaders, with the backing of vibrant, engaged and enlightened civil societies, need to change the course of the conversation in communities that are developing divisive, ethnocentering, antagonistic and hateful cultures. Individually, each of us must help by making the decision every single day to fight discrimination and manifestations of hatred and, above all, to remember that bad things happen when good people keep quiet. Along with worrying about negative, frightening political and societal changes, our family faced a major health challenge in our private lives. About a year after we moved from our house into a condo, Sydney, then 70 years old, was diagnosed with mild cognitive impairment called MCI that signaled worrisome times ahead. The first five years after the diagnosis were spent strengthening Sid's memory capacity through the Baker's Geriatric Center's well-designed courses. We did travel, though, when I was invited to the Bergen-Belsen Memorial Museum to an event at the new exhibition center. Sid still managed to swim 40 laps daily, but sadly, his condition gradually slipped into dementia caused by Alzheimer's, with all its challenges, including deep bewilderment and heartaches for our children and me. The impact of this long illness is beyond belief. Our lives as we knew them until that point came to an end. The plans Sid and I had made for our golden years were dashed and our family was in a state of paralysis as we witnessed its decline, what people call the long goodbye. For me, as his loving, lifelong partner, the process was a deeply private, solitary struggle, a specific kind of solitude that was an ever-present loneliness. There was utter hopelessness, in witnessing the daily effects of this cruel ailment on a once vibrant, mentally and physically active individual whom I loved and shared a lifetime bond with, but with whom I would no longer share even yesterday's happenings. In the midst of writing this memoir on July 11, 2019 at 6.45 a.m., After 16 years of obliviousness and an intense 12 days of struggle when he refused water and food, my beloved Sidney passed away. In some sense, he had left us years ago. Still, for a while, I could hold his hands, play his favorite music, kiss his cheeks, comb his hair, and talk to him. I felt I still belonged to him, and he was still with me. I wasn't ready for the end and the enormous void he left behind, but it had to be endured. Jonathan's moving and remarkable eulogy illuminated the kind of outstanding man, husband, and father he was. We will continue to miss Sidney's physical presence, but I am also left with an abundance of wonderful memories of him that will be a source of solace and will sustain us for years to come.